0: Welcome back to our study verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel. We've made it all the way to chapter nine and I love this chapter because it's one of those times in scripture that we get to see how God is at work when circumstances around us go sideways and it's hard to see God at work. Now I know for you and I in the midst of the world that we are living in right now today, the stuff that happened to you this week, the stuff that might be coming, the stuff that we're uncertain about, That is the kind of moment that we find in 1 Samuel 9. That's why I love this key verse that comes through in this chapter. Verse 15 and 16. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came saying, tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. If you remember in chapter 8, Israel demanded a king and Saul is going to be that king. This is the chapter where we meet the man that God will choose to be the first king of Israel. And this is so subtle, but I want you to catch this. That when it comes time for that moment, the Lord told Samuel the day before. Because we are headed for a coronation. But that's not where this story starts. In fact, it's a little bit unusual the way that this story starts. If you look in chapter 9, beginning with verse 1, this is what it says. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel, from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Yeah, now that sounds like a king, right? But the story keeps going. This is, this is really strange. This incredible description of a man sounds fit to be king right after the people ask for a king, so let's make him king, right? But here's what happens next. Now, the donkeys of Kish... Saul's father were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, please take one of the servants with you and arise. Go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalim and they were not there. Then they passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. Essentially, in our passage today, we are going to go On a wild donkey chase. (laughs) This picture is of donkeys in the Judean wilderness. And when you hear wilderness, you can't think jungle or forest. You've got to think desert. Because a large part of the country of Israel in the south is desert. And from where Saul lived in Benjamin, if the donkeys wandered south, this is where they would end up. And so you can imagine Saul and his servant going through this area trying to find these donkeys okay, but I thought you said he was going to be king, right? How do we get from lost donkeys to king of Israel? Well, I want us to find four strategies to see God at work when the donkeys are lost. Because it would seem like this is extra material, bonus material, behind the scenes that we don't need, right? Skip this part, get to the part where Saul is made king. Isn't that the point? And yet how many times do we experience things in our lives that can feel like lost donkeys? And I don't know about you, but those are the times where sometimes I am praying the hardest, begging the loudest, God, speak to me, show me something, like, tell me that you're working. We want to know, how do we see God at work when the donkeys are lost? So to get there, we start by meeting this man, Saul. Now, I want you to forget a little bit of what you might already know about Saul. Because the reality is, as this book is written, it's history. People know about Saul. They know about his life. They know what happened. They know his failures and they know how it ended up. If you don't know, read ahead. (laughs) Reading ahead, I guarantee you, always benefits you when you listen to these messages. But this is the first time we meet him. And you'll notice that the author just lets us meet him. Just lets us see who he was in that moment without bringing any of that later stuff in. And I love the way it describes him, a choice and handsome son. That is um, exactly what people tell my dad about me. A choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. This is a guy who looks like a king. But as we saw, the story goes sideways because the donkeys get lost. And our first strategy is to realize that donkeys get lost. Hey, thanks, Captain Obvious. But here's the problem. For you and I, we spend so much time, so much energy, and it could be good in our lives trying to make sure that donkeys don't get lost. Trying to make sure that things go the way we need them to go, that things go according to plan, that things work out for us, for our families, for our businesses. But the reality is sometimes circumstances collide. Things hit you that you do not control. And it's like the donkeys are lost. You notice this? They don't lose the donkeys. They have no active part in this. It's just that the donkeys were lost. And look at this phrase. They did not find them. They did not find them. Searching and searching. They did not find them. To see God at work when the donkeys are lost, especially if we keep trying to get those things back, keep trying to bring life back under control, and we can't. Keep trying to find our sanity, but we can't find it. Keep trying to find our security, but we can't find it. Sometimes it helps just to realize that these kinds of things happen. In fact, one of the things that I thought I would share is a a quote by a scholar and a pastor named David Gusick, um, a guy that I really like to listen to. And this was just helpful for me because I think sometimes when we hit these sort of circumstances, when things change for us and we're not sure what to do about it or how to process it, there's a piece of us that wants to believe that God is doing something. And I believe that he is. But it's not always as big as making you king of a nation, right? This is what Gusick says. There's two mistakes that people make regarding God's guidance through circumstances. One mistake is to think that every event of life is heavy with meaning from God. This is wrong because though nothing happens by accident, not everything happens for a great purpose. The second mistake is to ignore the moving of God in our lives through circumstances. See, God wanted to use this situation to guide Saul. And God will often use circumstances in our lives the same way. We need to trust in God's goodness. And as Romans eight twenty eight says, in his ability to make all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's helpful for me because I tend to try to read into things. And so sometimes I can look at circumstances that I'm in and try to predict what God must be doing and it's going to be great and it's going to be huge. When sometimes you've just got to realize, hey, life happens and God won't waste it. He'll use that. He'll teach us. He'll shape us. Even allowing Israel to have a king was to teach them something. And so then it helps us to maybe back up and ask, well, what are my donkeys? Because I don't have any. <laughs> and maybe you don't either, I bet. I don't even know the last time I've seen one. But here's how the metaphor connects, because for them, for Kish, Saul's father, for Saul's family, donkeys are not only your investment, they are your labor force, right? And so there's a lot that is tied up into donkeys. It's wealth, it's production. Losing the donkeys would be very comparable to us for a stock market crash, because you've lost the investments, and a staff layoff. the labor is gone all of a sudden a wild donkey chase is less of a comedic interlude and starts to hit a little too close to home so this is the reality that their family is facing this is why for god this is not random information that they don't need in the middle of the story this is critical to what he is doing when the investment is gone the labor force is gone When the circumstances have gone sideways, is God still working? How is God working? Can we see it? Just in the last week, I've heard stories or talked to a number of guys right here at Horizon. One entrepreneur whose business was doing well, and he's not sure that it is going to survive this season. Another who's a CFO at a large company where the business is still there but greatly diminished. Another who has two locations, one of them has to be closed. Closing both of them right now, hoping to open one of them again. And then, how do you decide who gets their job back? Another friend I spoke to this week who's been labeled as non essential business. So he had to close his office and lay off his staff and try to get through and hopefully rebuild. Lost donkeys. Some of you are in that position right now and that is weighing on you even as you listen to this. Some of you have been laid off. Some of you, the jobs that you work at are non-essential. They've been closed just like that and you don't know what comes next. And you may feel like Saul wandering all over the place trying to find them and you can't find them. I wanna encourage you, God is at work. When we realize that these things are going to happen, this is the world that we live in. I would not wish it on you. I would not wish it on me or my family. I would not want these things to happen. But part of it is because we live in a broken world. Things happen. But God is going to use this. He is going to teach us. He is going to shape us. And it may be that he is doing something great. As he was for Saul. And what I find so interesting in this moment for Saul is that not only do we just realize that donkeys can be lost, And the second strategy that we have to see God at work when the donkeys are lost is to seek godly direction. Look at verse 5. It says, When they had come to the land of Zuth, which we think is where Ramah was. Ramah Zuthim would have been Samuel's home in the land of Zuth. When they'd come to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys. And become worried about us. So essentially Saul is ready to give up. They've searched everywhere. They've been south and west and north and through the wilderness and through these other towns, through these other areas, can't find the donkeys. Saul says, at this point, we're probably not going to find them. Now my dad's going to worry about me. I am a choice son after all. Let's give up. Let's go home. But his servant said to him, look now, there is in this city A man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass, so let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. I love that Saul's servant has the humility (laughs) to ask for directions. Hey, it's harder to do than it sounds. But this is a critical moment because Saul is ready to give up, Saul is ready to go home. But his servant says, there's a godly man here. We can seek godly direction. When we don't know which direction the donkeys have gone, we don't know which direction we should go to try to get them back. We don't even know if we can get them back. What if we could tap in to wisdom from God to find the right direction that a godly man might be able to show them the way to go? That is who Samuel is. You see, again, we keep seeing this from chapter to chapter. Samuel is more than just some religious leader. He's more than just the guy who does the ritual and follows the laws and tells everyone else they should too. Samuel is a guy who knows God. Samuel seeks God for advice. Samuel brings his displeasure to him, as we saw in chapter 8. Samuel trusts him even when he doesn't understand the plan or thinks the plan isn't good. Samuel is a man who knows how to worship And teach others how to worship. So they come to this man of God. You could be that person. You may be in Saul's shoes and you need to find that person. A man or a woman of God. Someone who helps draw you to him in those circumstances. Or it may be that you are like Samuel. Someone who hears and obeys. Someone who worships and trusts. And that in a season like this, there will be people who come to you seeking godly direction. The next few verses then are very interesting because it describes what happens when they come into this city. So Saul essentially is going to agree with his servant. Then Saul said to his servant, but look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel, which for us would weigh about as much as a penny and maybe be worth a few dollars. He says, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Interestingly, this is not exactly a payment, like unless you give me money, I'm not telling you what God says. Instead, it is more like an offering, a gift, a way of saying thank you that you are willing to help us, sight unseen, strangers from another land, to answer our questions, to help us seek God. And the servant answered, I have a shekel. It comments here that formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. This would be Ramah in Zuf, where Samuel lived. Now listen to this. As they went up the hill to the city, this is verse 11, they met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? And the women answered them and said, Yes, there he is, just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high places. It's funny that in the Jewish tradition, there's a legend that actually the reason the women were willing to talk to this strange man because, was because he was choice and handsome. <laughs> the legend of Saul's good looks continues even to this day. And so they tell him, hurry now because Samuel's here. He's come to this specific city. You remember how we saw that he would go from city to city to city to city faithfully and back to his home city of Ramah. And so they're telling him, of all days, This day, Samuel has come to this city because he has a sacrifice to do. And that is why they are here, to seek godly direction from this godly man. Now watch what the women tell them next. As soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him. Not like the donkeys. The donkeys were lost, but they did not find them. They kept looking, but they did not find them. Is it possible that the donkeys aren't what we need to find? They tell Saul and his servant, as soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now therefore go up for about this time You will find him. Friends, there are times in life where everything we are searching for, everything we are trying to recover, may not actually be what we need to find. Sometimes it is in the midst of seeking godly direction from somebody else further in the faith, somebody who's been through a season like we're going through, somebody who can offer wisdom from God into that moment. Because in that moment, God says, you will surely find. Again and again in scripture, God says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek lost donkeys, you might find them, you might not. We'll actually see in the next chapter that they kind of wander back on their own. It happens sometimes, but he guarantees us if you seek godly direction, he will not withhold that from you. He will not leave you alone in this moment, no matter what the last couple of weeks have done to your life. He will not leave you there by yourself. He is a good king, a giving king. And if you seek him, you seek godly direction, you will surely find, you will find him. There is so much comfort in that and there is foreshadowing here as well now I told you to forget some of what you know about Saul but if you don't know this you'll learn in a couple weeks that one of his biggest blunders was not waiting for Samuel before doing the sacrifice isn't it interesting then that on the day he becomes king possibly the first time he meets Samuel the thing that the women tell him is The people won't eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Just a little bit of foreshadowing for you. And so I wonder for you, do you have places to seek spiritual advice? Do you have people that you trust? Do you have people that you know they won't just give you their ideas, but they'll pray for you. They'll seek God's word. They'll dig in with you. Pray through hard things, persevere through hard times to try to help you understand what God's guidance is for you in that situation. People like that. Actually, there's people like that all around Horizon. I've been here full time for a few years and I found several of them myself that I know when something happens, I can call this person. I can call this person, a dear friend of mine still back in Illinois, that when something happens, I know I can call Ray. In fact, Ray lets me call even when something doesn't happen. (laughs) Isn't that nice? We want to be that for each other. We want to help each other seek godly direction. Because one of the things that becomes complicated in all of this is that we need to trust God when he sends you the long way around. You see, Saul went on a very wandering wild donkey chase. In fact, I think I will. I think I'll show you this map. I got this map while I was in Israel a few weeks ago. Sometime I will tell you all about that trip, but I won't do it right now. But this is a map of Israel. Now, the entire thing is approximately the size of New Jersey. Saul's hometown of Gibeah, where he would have started from, somewhere... Right around here. Samuel's town, where he ends up in the land of Zuth. Right about here. It's just not that far. And yet the journey Samuel takes to find the donkeys is something more like this. Well, now wait a minute. Literally, look at this. They are approximately... Two miles away from each other. This is if we were standing in Ramah looking at Gibeah. So we're looking across Benjamin, the area, the land of Benjamin, to the place called Gibeah. Like, you can see it from here. It's in the distance. But why not have Saul walk a direct line? Why have him wander all the way around like that? And can we trust God when he takes us the long way around. You know, sometimes I think that when we see these moments, we wonder, why doesn't God just tell us specifically? Why not just give Saul a vision? Why not just give him a dream? Saul, when you wake up, walk to Samuel's house. Well, here's the reality, friends. A lot of times in Scripture, when people get something that direct, it's not always a good thing. Gideon gets the fleece, but that's because he was doubting God. The writing on the wall, that was to a king who was going to lose his kingdom that night. Sometimes we don't actually want it to be that obvious. But I also think sometimes when God is that obvious, when he makes it that clear, we run away from it. Like Jonah. God was very clear to Jonah. Hey, here's my plan for your life. So Jonah went the opposite direction. Sometimes I think it may actually be God's grace that he leads us the long way around, that he leads us through lost donkeys, that we end up searching and trying to see what he's doing because if we knew exactly what was coming, we might not go for it. We actually see over the next chapter or two that Saul kind of resists this whole king thing. So what if God had told him, just go to Ramas, Samuel's going to make you king. He might not have done it. He may not have needed donkeys as much as he needed lost donkeys. You and I may not need things to go the way we hope as much as we need them to go the way that God plans because of what he's going to teach us and what he's going to do. Can we trust God when he leads us the long way around? Saul could. Samuel could. And that actually brings us back to our key verse. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall appoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. You see more grace to Saul that God's plan for Saul is actually to use him to save his people from their enemy. And in this key verse, I think we finally get a hold of what God has been doing. Because it actually took Saul about three days to get there. God started ahead of time. And yet this phrase, he told Samuel in his ear the day before. The idea here is not necessarily that it's an audible voice. The idea is the closeness. That God is this close to Samuel in their relationship to be able to speak right to him. In chapter 7, we saw him thunder with a loud thunder that Israel and all of their enemies would know this was the voice of God. sometimes it's just a whisper. And what I love about this whisper, as conversational as it is, it also demonstrates how incredibly critical it is that you and I have a daily relationship with God. I, I think this is my favorite thing in this whole passage that we're looking at today. He told Samuel the day before, because I don't know about you, But a lot of times when I face this kind of stuff, like I am on my knees and I am begging, but I can't think clearly because there is panic and there is confusion. And so can I go to the library or not the library? Can I go to the grocery store or not the grocery store? Well, what can I do right now? And God, what are you doing right now? And I want to hear from him so badly. But sometimes in the middle of the crisis, we can't think that clearly. We can't hear that clearly. And so we don't give up talking to each other Right? Meeting together, even if it has to be on the phone. We don't give up reading the word. But sometimes I have found in the most incredible ways that God has told me something the day before. Maybe the week before. Maybe a month or two ago that I would need right now because it's harder to hear in the midst of a crisis. It's harder to hear in the middle of confusion. And so sometimes he uses something like lost donkeys ahead of time. To tell us what he's already told you. That what I need in this moment may not be, God, where are the donkeys? It may be like Samuel. To remember what God has already told you. So I want to encourage you in this season. Don't lose track of what God has already told you. You It may be, that a week ago, a month ago, there was some passage that you were praying through and you need it now more than ever. It may be that you're in a position like Samuel where there's something that God has spoken to you and there's someone else out there who has lost the donkeys and they need to hear what you know, what God told you the day before. Somebody who had to close down their business this past week but two weeks ago, God gave you a message about not being afraid. And you could share it with them. Friends, as followers of Christ, that is one of the most important things that I think we can do right now. Because I know I'm, I'm sitting here on this couch and I have my Bible and we're doing 1 Samuel. And I get to share with you through this video. But it's not just me. It may be that you share this video with someone else. But it may be that you are Samuel. That you have an opportunity to serve someone else in this moment, to speak truth to them from God's word that He's given you. And I would encourage you, you may be on the other end of that, and it's hard to ask. Hey, be less like Saul giving up and going home, be more like his servant saying, I know there are people in this city, in my town, at Horizon, who could give me godly advice right now, and I'm going to seek it. It may be that you're in a position where you really shouldn't be going out at all, even to get groceries. Maybe somebody else is offering to do that for you and you just need to receive it. That there's a Samuel in your life in this moment who wants to offer to serve you because God has showed them something. God has asked them something, spoken to them the day before and they can offer it to you. That's why we work so hard in our vision at Horizon to make sure that you have access to God's word. It's why we are doing things like online services. In fact, In our e-news devotionals, did you know you can sign up for e-news on the website? Apparently, I was not getting e-news. And so I signed up this week. (laughs) You can sign up for e-news too. And I know that all of us feel like I don't need another email. But actually, just in the two weeks that I've been getting it now, there is so much good stuff in there. And we're actually producing extra devotionals during the week right now. Since we can't get together here to make sure that we are staying in God's word so that he can speak to us the way he spoke to Samuel. So that a week from now, you might look at what you heard today and say, he did, he told me ahead of time. God already told me what I needed to know. So jump into those Bible apps. Keep using those to study. Get your hard copy and just go sit alone with God somewhere. And honestly, encourage each other. Some of you are watching this right now and you know I've said a few things that actually came from you because you were willing to encourage me. Can I ask all of us, be Christ to one another. Be the body of Christ in this moment. Share that encouragement. Share what God is speaking to you from this book. I'll give you one more that just has been really meaningful to me. And I'll tell you more about this sometime. But I've been living in Psalm 34 for the last few months. And at first it was just kind of fun. And then it's almost like every couple of weeks, God is showing me something in Psalm 34 like, that I had never seen before including how it connects to 1 Samuel later in this book. But the piece I want to give you right now is that over the last few years, I had a friend that I kind of lost contact with and I wasn't sure why. I was still reaching out to him, calling him, Facebook, anything I could, and he just quit responding. And honestly, I didn't know if something had happened. I didn't know, like, did I do something? Did I upset him? Um, And I've been praying about it for years, but man... For five years, it felt like that donkey was lost and I was not gonna find it. And a couple of months ago, his dad died of cancer. And so I decided I couldn't make it about me. It couldn't be about me, but I was gonna drive back to Illinois for that funeral. And sitting through the entire funeral, his whole family was on the front row, but not him. I didn't even know if he was there. But afterwards, I found him and we got to talk and had such an incredible reunion. And I thought, even if this is the last time we talk, it turned out there was nothing between us. There's just some stuff he'd been dealing with and he didn't know how, and he was so thankful for the grace of his friends who still showed up that day. And just this week, I thought, I'm gonna reach out to him again. Because I know that if he feels like me, it, it hurts. We struggle in isolation. But Psalm 34 has taught me something about how I learn to love, how I learn to trust God, how I learn to worship, even in isolation because it was written from a cave. And I reached out to my friend and I just said, I think I've learned something from Psalm 34 that might be an encouragement to you too. And I can't even describe for you the joy in my heart when he wrote back to me how, as he sat in isolation, he had been learning truth from God about how to pray, how to trust God when no one else was around. Would you share those words with each other? Would you trust God in what he has spoken to you before? What he's already told you. That even if those donkeys never come back, you know that he is trustworthy, he is at work, he is steadfast, and he loves you. Let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that we can trust that even when we lose things that are important to us, even when we're hurting because of the things that we've lost, Lord, even when you take us the long way around, that we know you do not waste any of this, you are teaching us, you will teach us, and we can trust you. God, I just ask, I beg you, in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit right now, as people are listening right now, as they share this with friends, as they talk to one another, God, would you work, would you teach us to draw closer to you, closer to each other, to worship together, and to see you at work in these days and on this day right now. And God, we will be careful to give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.